Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. Um, I haven't watched the video yet that I'm about to watch, so we're both, I've done this a few times, we're both hearing this for the first time, but I've had a few people text me this morning and say, John, you got to see this. And at first I was like, I've seen a lot of Danny Aiken stuff, but uh, they they said, I I need to see this one. And this is from about a week ago, I guess. This is more than that, April 28th in Southeastern's uh, chapel service. And it's just a QA and a with the president, Danny Aiken. I'm a graduate of Southeastern. So um, I, uh, I've i kind of picked, I've, I've tracked kind of what they're doing here and there. Um, but I feel like, you know, I've, I, I've shown kind of what they're teaching. I've uh, shown how there's a lot of social justice stuff going on there. But long story short, uh, there was a video that was um, kind of, it was from 2018 that the ERLC made, but it, it kind of surfaced more recently where Danny Aiken saying things like, uh, my ethnic minorities see the world differently than him, which is why he needs to um, listen and then give up power. And that white people need to do that. They need to give up their power to ethnic minorities. And of course, he's still the president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. He hasn't stepped down from that. Um, anyway, uh, I think that that's sort of maybe the context, that whole controversy, because Not the Bee posted that and James Lindsay posted that. It kind of went mini viral uh, based on their uh, posts. And, um, and I heard Danny Aiken on one other interview someone sent to me where he's kind of, he's doubling down and saying, basically, you know, I, I'm not apologizing for anything I said in that. And then there's this, this is the most recent. So if you want to, is Southeastern woke or are they, are they using some kind of quota system or just giving preference to certain ethnic minorities over others, that kind of thing? Uh, I'm assuming this chapel video, um, answers some of that. So we're going to just watch it, you and me together, uh, kind of at the same time. And I'll just comment it as we go. But I've been told that I, I have to see this. So uh, here we go. You think in your term as president, the Southeastern community will see an ethnic minority or a woman on the cabinet? My immediate response would be, I hope so. And it is certainly possible. I would be very open to that. Uh I'm not sure what they mean by woman on the cabinet on the cabinet. They have, I, there's already the board of trustees, I think already has a, a female person and they already have professors who are female. All right, anyway. What steps do you uh, take to equip these two populations of current professors who have interest to possibilities of serving in that capacity? Uh, since neither of these ca uh, categories are on the present cabinet, cabinet and have, uh, as they said, ever been, I think never been in that group. How do you intentionally seek out those voices uh, as you consider decisions? Well, uh, one of the things I do is I listen to the ethnic minority voices uh, on this campus. Uh, I operate, in, all of you should know, I have an open door policy uh, for students, staff, and faculty. Uh, anyone can come just drop in if I'm there and available, I'll just meet with you right then. Uh, you can come by and make an appointment and I'll meet with you when that appointment is arranged and there's no limitations on that. So I all right, just for everyone who didn't know what I didn't know a few minutes ago, the president's cabinet uh, is different than um, there's the board of trustees, there's the Southeastern Society, there's the president's cabinet, there's the administrative council. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different stuff here. Um, and then there's the faculty. So the president's cabinet is composed of all men and they're all of European descent. So which is, it should strike you as a little bit humorous, I guess, in a way that 
they focus so much on kingdom diversity and so much on um, how ethnically diverse they are. Uh, and Danny Aiken saying he wants to platform people who are minorities and, and your cabinet is your people of European descent. But um, so that's, that's, I guess, why he was asked this question, which now the significance of it uh, is hitting me. So let's keep going here. Always uh, open to receiving the wisdom uh, and the counsel of others. But uh, as we look at uh, hiring faculty, uh, we certainly are going to seek out the voices of uh, those that are already on our faculty uh, that are ethnic minorities to get their recommendations, to hear their input. Uh, but again, we're going to do it as a big family. And uh, just irregardless of their ethnicity, uh, I want the voice of all of my faculty in bringing on people. And I want the voice of my cabinet and my top administrators when we're looking at hiring and bringing people in that uh, in those areas uh, as well. But what I'll say is this, I learned a long time ago, one of the reasons our school was not more ethnically diverse is that even though we said y'all come, uh, you've got to be intentional. Uh, in other words, if you don't work at it, it won't happen by accident. And so that's one of the reasons we started uh, our Kingdom Diversity Initiative, so that we would raise our awareness as well as our uh, motivation uh, to build a, 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 a school here. I often say it this way, we should be building churches on earth that look like the church in heaven. All right, that's where, th this, is, this is where I have a problem in a way, and I think a lot of people that are against the social justice movement in evangelicalism have a problem building churches on earth that are supposed to look like the church in heaven. The, the church in heaven is not, the universal church, all tribes, tongue, and nations is not, um, that's, that's not like an ecclesiastical standard that present churches in this world are supposed to meet. And I, this might be a one kingdom, two kingdom thing where I'm looking at, you have your present reality and God said, he'll build his church. You share the gospel and whatever comes, comes. But, um, and that may look differently in different communities, but it, it, it may not. You may attract a certain demographic. Personality plays into that. Worship style. There's a lot of things that play into that. Theology plays into that actually very strongly. Um, there are certain ethnic groups that have certain theology or more, they, they, they are, they gravitate more towards certain theologies and emphasis. All that to say, um, this is where I think you create a, um, an ought out of a descriptive passage. So Revelation, when it talks about everyone gathered around the throne from every tribe, tongue, and nation, that's very descriptive. Uh, it's not prescriptive. It's not telling you what you ought to do in the here and now. And so that's kind of, I think, where they, um, where they get this. But anyway, um, we're going to keep going here. Well, since we serve the churches, we should be building a, a seminary and a college uh, that on earth looks like the church in heaven. And so I'm committed to doing that and will continue to do that until the Lord uh, calls me uh, somewhere else. All right. Um, as an older full-time student here at Southeastern, actually at the college, uh, I do not often find myself keeping up with any type of news rumors that are going on about the school. I'm here for a gospel-centered education involving a degree that I believe will better prepare me for a life spent living counterculturally in cultures different than my own. And I say, praise God for all of that. Should I concern myself whatsoever with any of the accusations that come up against our school that have nothing to do with my prior stated reason for being at CASE, S-E-B-T-S, i.e. our school falling back into a liberal mindset 
our school adhering to a narrative of critical race theory, our school becoming some sort of progressive beachhead in the Baptist community. I I just got to say, this is the first time publicly, I think, where I've heard him try to actually address this and represent it. I mean, with all those different descriptors, that those are things people have said. Uh, So I've talked to him on the phone about this, but actually hearing him publicly say this. So this is going to be really important what he says next. Let me answer that question in several ways. And and by the way, since I'm here, let me also add, I've got uh, about four other questions related to uh, critical race theory. Please give a proper definition and explanation of the critical race theory, as well as your personal thoughts on it as to how it relates to the gospel. Um, We continue to wrestle with philosophies of social justice and critical race theory. Many seem to think we are progressing in a helpful way, while others see this as a conservative drift. Uh, What are some principles to maintain as we wrestle with these issues along the way? Uh, And where do you see the church heading in a positive way and in a negative way? As I got to say, this is really good if they're, number one, allowing these questions to come up, and number two, um, I don't know where they got the people to ask these questions. I'm assuming these are people that have a connection to Southeastern, maybe the student body. I'm not sure. Maybe it's anyone, but it's just really good if it are if it is people within the student body that they're also thinking in these terms. Uh, these particular issues. And then uh, the seminary presidents, well, I know this is a heavy topic, but it has concerned me as soon as it was published. Why the dismissal of critical race theory completely with the uh, president's statement that came out uh, back in uh, November? All right, so there's a boatload. So let- There's a statement that came out, for those who don't know, in November, where the presidents of the Southern Baptist School said, we don't, we, we don't, believe that the critical race theory is in keeping with the Baptist faith and message, basically. And Danny Aiken later came out on a podcast and said, hey, critical race theory theorists can identify things that we don't always see where racism embeds itself. And so we do teach the good aspects of it, but we basically we reject the philosophy. This is the same position that um, so many of the social justice minded evangelicals have. Walter Strickland has it. Uh, even someone like Neil Shenby kind of has that in a sense where he supported Resolution 9 because he goes after it as a worldview. But hey, the analytical tools, yeah, it's OK. So let, let's uh, let's hear what he has to say to this. Ben. First of all, you should always be uh, concerned about any accusation about our institution. Uh, they could be true and they could also be false. And the way that you find out is by being a good thinker and investigating the accusations, not playing the fool and listening to what are called discernment blogs. I don't think they're discernment blogs. I think they're hit blogs. And they tend to take things out of context. They misrepresent people. And in some cases, they flat out lie. And by the way, lest you think I haven't dealt with those in the right way, oh, I've contacted uh, the heads of several of those blogs, some in personal conversations, and I've told them, you're lying. I had one guy say to me a number of years ago on one of these well-known blogs, well, I understand your school uh, has an affirmative action department. No, we don't. He said, well, that's what I heard. And I said, well, I'm telling you the president. No, we don't. Maybe technically they don't. And I wasn't that guy, by the way. I did. He never reached out to me, by the way. I reached out to Danny Aiken. I called him and we talked for about 45 minutes. And he said that I was misrepresenting and lying. And then I read for him direct quotes from his professor, Matt Mullins, 
on interracial adoption. And then he just switched the subject. So I, you know, he throws that out there. But here's the thing, like, I agree with what he said at the beginning of that. You do have to investigate it for yourself. And, um, and you have to investigate what he's saying, too. You know, if, if someone's lying, then you'll be able to catch them in it. If it's something publicly available they're commenting on, like I comment on things, then you'll be able to go back and, and look at the, the primary sources and say, oh, he's, you know, he, he misconstrued this. He twisted this to mean the opposite of what it meant or something like that. But if it's actually true, which I strive for, then you need to be concerned. And um, my experience with, with Dr. Aiken has, in this line has not been good. He is... Uh, he has flat out denied he's called me a liar and said basically that i am i am sharing falsehoods when i read for him a quote and he doesn't have anywhere to go on it and so he just leaves the subjects and he didn't i mean that's just my experience with him but as far as affirmative action and um and the kingdom diversity initiative um i mean it's not i guess it's not technically affirmative action um but it the whole point of it is it it does give scholarships to people based on their minority status. I mean, that it, they do function in that way. So I'm not sure. I mean, it's kind of like working off the same principles that affirmative action, I think, would work off of. There's just no, I don't think there's a set quota. But they, the thing is, they do have goals. They, I have seen on their website where they have, by this time, we want this percentage of minority people at our school. So I'm not sure. It's like, they're, they're well, let's see if he explains how they're different. Guess what? No, we don't. Um, he went on to say, well, I understand you require diversity training. And I said, no, we don't. He said, well, that's what I heard. And I said, well, I don't know who you heard it from, but they are either uh, misinformed or they are misrepresenting. If they're misinformed, then they're ignorant. If they're misrepresenting, they're liars. So I remember I have um, someone had sent me because they were a minority student there who went through the Kingdom University scholarship process and they sent me the, the questions that you're asked. One of them, and I'm summarizing here, um, I have it in my computer somewhere, was basically though, uh, you know, how have you represented or how have you advocated for my, minority groups in the past? So they're looking for like someone with an activist bent, not just someone who is of a minority status. So maybe, I don't know, maybe that's what he's talking about. I don't know really what he's, I don't know the, it'd be helpful if he made a clear distinction of this is what affirmative action is. And this is what we're doing. But he's just saying they're liars because they don't technically have, I, the, I guess, the name affirmative action and they're not, it's not, I don't know. I don't know. Well, guess what? He still published on his blog that we had diversity training and that we also had an affirmative action office. Well, but they, the thing is, they do have classes in uh, in racial justice and stuff. So I'm not sure. I don't know what blog he's referring to, but like, I don't know. It's not helpful. Like, address, like you could say, like, OK, this is where he got it wrong. He used the wrong terms. He described it wrong. But this is what we're actually doing. Um, maybe he does do that. Let's see. All I can say to you is you ought to be smarter than the average bear to know what to pay attention to and what not to pay attention to. Furthermore, you ought to have the integrity if you have a real concern. You can start wherever you like, but if you want, just go ahead and jump to the head of the line and make an appointment and come see me. So let me lay it out for you with crystal clear clarity. We do not advocate at Southeastern Seminary critical race theory or intersectionality. Now, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. 
Look at Matt Mullen's blog on critical race theory. Now they could might say that we don't believe in it as a worldview. We don't believe the philosophical assumptions it rests on or something like that. We're not atheists, but they have they have taken the analytical tools approach. And one of the guys that is on uh, the president's cabinet, at least one of them, Keith Whitfield, uh, was on the committee that uh, drafted and put together Resolution Nine. So I'm not. I'm just not sure. It's like it, I feel like it's a splitting hair kind of thing, splitting hairs and then calling someone a liar. That's what it sounds like. That's like saying like, you know, Danny Aiken, um, you're bald, right? And then him saying, that is a lie. I do have hair on my head. I'm not completely bald. It's like, well, yeah, but you, you know what we meant kind of thing. So if someone says like, oh, you have affirmative action, it's like, you, you know what he's talking about. Um, so this is, and he's very, you can see his, his face though. He's getting very worked up about this. But... There is a difference between advocating something and educating you about something. And I do believe it is our calling to educate you about many things with which you will, I hope, disagree. Do I? Okay, he's done this before. He did this with Walter Strickland where, hey, we're teaching about liberation theology. We're not teaching liberation theology, except though you are. And you can go through the archives and I've, you know, just type in Walter Strickland in the search for the videos, type in critical race theory, Southeastern, uh, look at the montages. Um, and if you want to go back, look at the sources. I think the last one that came out has all the sources there. Go back and look at them. But um, I just, that's not true. That's not true. Maybe there are people who have taught about liberation theology, but there are people there also who are teaching liberation theology. And it's come right through the Kingdom University department, a lot of it. And we have the, the recordings. So I just, I don't get this. Um, they're talking about the positive insights they, they've received from James Cone, how he showed them a new vista, a new space to see the gospel and influenced their understanding of systemic sin. And it's, it's liberation theology. But I think, for example, that we need to educate you, especially if you're in the counseling program, about Freudian psychology. Absolutely. But I'll be heartbroken if you go out of here advocating Freudian psychology. Do I think we need to inform you, especially in the college, about Darwinian evolution? Absolutely. But I'll be heartbroken if you become a Darwinianist and you begin to buy into a, uh, a non-the... Well, I don't, I don't even think there is... I, honestly... I think theistic evolution is an oxymoron and a contradiction. He has people that teach there who believe in theistic evolution. I know who they are. I don't understand this one. I, it's, I'm almost wondering, like, does he understand what's going on at his own seminary? If you are an ev I think, if I'm not mistaken, I th uh, I'm going to get in trouble if I start naming the names here because someone's, someone's going to say he doesn't believe that exactly. But here, I think if you look into like Ken Keithley, at the very least, I think if you look into Hammett a little bit, now Hammett, I don't know that he actually advocates evolution. I think he's just unsure about like young earth. So I'm not sure exactly with him. Um, but I think with Ken, with Ken Keithley, I'm pretty sure he has advocated a form of theistic evolution. And I know a professor who was there before uh, as well, who's not there anymore, I'm pretty sure did as well. But um, all that to say, uh, I just wondered, is, is he aware of this stuff? It's almost like, like what school are you talking about? Because that doesn't sound like Southeastern to me. It's very difficult to be any type of authentic theist. Now, I know there are a few out there that try to bridge that. This is what BioLogos is all about, and they uh, profess to be evangelicals. I don't question that. They profess to believe in the bodily resurrection, the virgin birth, uh, and all of those type of things, but I find them uh, navigating that to be very, very difficult. Nevertheless, 
Am I grateful that you're at a school that's going to talk to you and uh, train you to think about and know well uh, young earth creationism, um, old earth creationism, uh, theistic evolution, uh, atheistic evolution? Yes. And if you don't get a, an education about those things here, then we have failed you, all right? So I think, number one, we need to understand there is a major difference between advocating for something and educating about something. So do we here at Southeastern in various ways, but not much. I mean, let's just be honest. Um, all of you that are here uh, this morning and watching online, if you've encountered in any class even a discussion of critical race theory, it's been uh, an exception, not the norm. Most of the faculty here, just be honest, don't really know much about it, and they don't care. That's not their issue. In fact, again... That's probably true, that most of the faculty there wouldn't be talking about it. It's, there's, there's a handful of people that are, and they're given platforms to do it with, or have been, and, um, and they tend to be influential people there. And it's also who's platformed on Kingdom Diversity Podcast. It's also who's speaking in chapel. I mean, there's a number of factors here. So um, the question that I would ask in response to this is, how much error does it take to be compromised as an institution? I mean, is it, like, is it you know, 51% and then you can say the institution's compromised? Is it one professor who's spouting heretical ideas, false teaching, and then the institute? Like, how much is it? And I think once you answer that question, this 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 kind of the smoke screen won't work because the, the answer was is it only it doesn't take much it it, it only takes a little leaven <laughs> and um if it's tolerated and if it's excused if it's not dealt with then it's it's advocated it's it's um it, it's at least given the stamp of the approval in some way and it opens the door for more error so you're compromised when you have one professor who's teaching these things, people know it, it's public, and they're not, uh, it's not retracted, it's not dealt with. It's all it takes. A, a guy called me that's been very critical of our school several years ago and uh, brought up critical race theory. Now, this was about five years ago, and I said, I don't really know what you're talking about. And I was telling him the truth. I, I said, I don't really know what you're talking about. I said, I got a PhD from a secular university. I know what postmodernism is. Uh, I know what deconstructionism is. I know what radical literary criticism is, uh, but I'm not really familiar with what uh, you're talking about when you say critical race theory, and I'd never heard the word intersectionality before, and he actually accused me of being a liar. He said, well, you know what I'm talking about, and I said, no, I don't know what you're... I get, by the way, that's not me either. I'm not sure who he's talking about here. ...talking about, because those things are not my agenda. My agenda is the Great Commission. That's what I give my time to. That's what I give my attention to. That's what my focus is upon. And these other things, I'm not going to get sucked into spending my time over there because I think it's counterproductive. Now, having said that, unfortunately, we're at a point in time where we've got to at least be aware of what these things are, and we have to engage them in a thoughtful, reflective, and critical way. So let me tie it into the seminary president statement, which I still affirm without any hesitation or reservation. Do it's interesting he says this. If you go back, uh, I think I did an episode on it when he was on the B21 podcast with one of the professors there and talking about it, he seemed to kind of regret it. So now he's, okay, I'm not sure. We'll see where he's going with this, but now he's saying he doesn't regret it. 
I believe as an ideology and a framework that critical race theory is incompatible with the Baptist faith and message 2000, you better believe it. Okay. Did you hear what he said at the beginning there as an ideology and as a framework? They won't come out and go, they won't come out swinging against the analytical tools. They won't come out swinging against critical race theory just by itself uh, and the insights that can be gleaned from it. They'll affirm those. Danny Aiken has affirmed those. They'll go after it as an ideology or a worldview. That's how they do it. Furthermore, I think it is incompatible with Bible evangelical Christianity. The worldview, right? The worldview. Its roots, the digger you deep, the worse it gets. Furthermore, it has been had hijacked today so that not only is it applied, I think, very poorly to race issues, it is now being applied to gender issues so that you have a major proponent of critical race theory saying that if you are not supportive of the LBGTQ plus agenda, you are a racist. See, here's the thing, though. If you understand intersectionality, this was by design. This wasn't hijacked by anyone. Uh, this, it, it, it actually is a natural flow. <laughs> it's like James Cone when you read his, you know, his liberation theology, you read his last book, said I wasn't going to tell nobody. And he basically says, yeah, you know what, I've, everything I've said about um, race can be applied to uh, sexual orientation, basically. So it's, it, it, it's, there's a natural flow. And it's not the people, the critical race theorists, I don't think, I mean, maybe there's someone that I haven't heard of that does think it was a hijacking. But I, I think in general, they they agree with that. Now, I don't even know how to respond to a nonsensical statement like that, but that's where this whole conversation is going. Now, having said all of that, I actually agree with a major, major critic of critical race theory and intersectionality, Vody Bauckham, who says, I would hope that our people, by that he means evangelicals, would read critical race theorists, and they would work to understand critical race theory. But here, here's the thing at Southeastern, it's not just you're reading about it to critique it, which is how you would read the Book of Mormon or anything else that's false. You're reading about it to gain the insights from it, and incorporate them into your faith. That's the problem. That's been the problem from the beginning. And if he likes what Bodhi Bauckham said about this so much, why did they basically disinvite Bodhi Bauckham? And I know he's, I'm going to get called on the carpet that you didn't technically disinvite him. But why did they say, Hey, uh, we, you know, we're gonna have to to reschedule. We can't do it that day. And then they never rescheduled with him. Or, or what was it? I, I've had three sources reach out to me and tell me about this, um, and it's so it's verified in my mind that the three sources that are 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 very reliable have told me uh, two from inside the school and then one Bodie Bauckham himself that you know basically th there was a cancellation. Well, why not have him come? I'm I'm sure now he's I know he's recovering right now, but I'm sure if Danny Aiken agrees with that then right now would be the time. Hey, have Vody Bauckham to come to Sh chapel and ask him to speak specifically about the subject of his book. Why not do that? I would hope that he does. If he did that, I would be the first to say thank you. Um, so we'll see. Because I think they need to be aware of something that is, I think, sweeping, not Southeastern Seminary or Southern Seminary or the other four seminaries or the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. I don't think it's infecting us at all, but it is certainly infecting the major colleges and universities in America. It's not infecting them at all. This is how, how you know he, he if he really believes that he is he's out of touch. I don't see how. <laughs>
And yes, it is working its way into politics as well. Now, let me just give this as something that I hope will be helpful. I've been personally helped uh, by the writings uh, of Neil Shinvey. Of course, that would come into this. All right, so critical race theory, he says, is affecting politics. It's affecting all the secular places, but it's not affecting us at all. Question for you, if it's true that critical race theory is just embedded so much in politics and in secular academia, wouldn't the logical thing to do for a Christian seminary to be, we're going to hedge against this. We're going to provide lots of resources. We're going to fight it with everything we have. Is Southeastern doing that? And you can go in their YouTube page. You can go wherever you want and try to answer that question. I, I think the answer is no. They're not putting a big hedge about this. Um, you can look at their justice and social ethics program and, and answer that question. Has a PhD in some scientific realm, but he is a Industry. homeschooling uh, dad along with his wife, and uh, he has decided to be a real uh, uh, student of critical race theory. So he has a website. It's called Neil Shimby Apologetics. I pulled up yesterday just to look at again his uh, article on critical race theory and Christianity. One of you asked, well, what is critical race theory? He gives a very simple definition that comes right out of the writings of critical race theorists. Uh, it is an academic discipline that attempts to understand race and racism primarily through the lens of power. And then he makes an excellent statement, and I would want you to hear this. In responding to critical race theory, Christians can fall into two opposite errors, alarmism on the one hand and denialism on the other. Critical race theorist alarmness equates any discussion of race with critical race theory and refuses to recognize, now listen, that refuses to recognize that critical race theory offers any true insights. There you have it. It's the insights. It always come back, comes back to that. Well, it's not the worldview we want, but the insights from it are pretty good. And I've challenged this um, many times. That if you're taking the insights from it, those insights have something attached to them. The worldview assumptions are attached to those insights. And these aren't like the insights from, let's say, uh, Pythagoras, who did, wasn't a Christian, but um, was using tools fundamental to reality, like math and science, uh, to discover uh, truth about the real world. These are insights that only exist in the minds of sociologists because they came up with a theory, and it's based on the fact that the idea that racism is normative, uh, that um, it's just it's embedded in everything. Uh, if you, you, you're not seeing it, it's because you don't have the right glasses on. You need these certain standpoints, these oppressed standpoints to be able to see it, and they're the ones that are able to speak on it. You can't speak on it. Um, it's the idea that there's this invisible white privilege that basically allocates all sorts of good things to you if you're a descendant of Europeans, but to those who aren't, they don't get those good things. And uh, it's almost like an original sin, to be honest with you. It's like you should feel guilty for it. This should be something that you have to correct in some way. Uh, you're, just, you're just so ignorant of it, but it's happening all around you. Um, I mean, what, what is it? If you start with those assumptions, then what are the tools going to be? It's like um, someone had said this recently and i thought it was a, a good analogy it's like you go into a room and you're a detective and you want to find out where the crime scene is and so you get the special light out to see where the blood is spilled and um with critical race theory though it's like a defective lens it's like you're it's like there's blood everywhere so you, you can't actually accurately find out where the racism is because it's just embedded in everything it's implicit in everything so that, those are the tools that's the those are the tools from critical race theory and the only thing they can do is deconstruct they're, they're tools of destruction 
they're not they're not tools that build up. They're just tools that um, show where where supposedly racism is, and then you eradicate it. But it's but the definition of racism is based on the assumptions I just gave to you. So there is no way to separate the tools from the worldview. But that's what they keep trying to do, and Danny Aiken's doing it now. And I think it does rarely, but I think critical race theory number one raises some good questions. And number two, it often then sometimes makes some good observations. The problem is it has no answers. It has absolutely. So as long as you're just asking questions and making observations, then you can use critical race theory. That's what he's saying. No answers and certainly because it rejects a biblical worldview framework. Here's the thing though, it, here's the thing about critical race theory. It's not, they're not just asking questions though. Um, with the assumption of an objective reality that other people would share with it. You know, we're going to ask a question to see if we can find racism here and we're operating off the same definition. It's bringing assumptions about what racism is and, and that's going to affect uh, the observations that are made. It's not going to be able to offer any really good answers. He also says, in contrast, critical race... Critical, here's the thing, though. Critical race theory isn't really supposed to be offering a lot of answers. That's really more intersectionality because intersectionality is the tool of construction. Um, so it is a tool of critical race theory is supposed to produce tools of destruction. Yeah, there's critical race theorists and critical race theory books that are offering solutions that are basically quotas. They're, they're basically a lot of them are like what Kingdom Diversity is doing at Southeastern. So <laughs> it's not I don't see it that it's that much different. Um, it's just they're justifying it differently. Danny Aiken saying it's because we want to look like the church in heaven, even though there's no uh, actual like. There's no command for that, but anyway. Race theorist denialism refuses to recognize that critical race theory includes ideas that are false and dangerous, or that CRT is a growing influence within evangelicalism. And so if I were to summarize what I want Southeastern Seminary to do when it comes to the issue of critical race theory, I would want us, number one, to be aware Number two, to engage. And number three, critique in light of a biblical worldview. You need to be aware of it. You need to engage it uh, um, critically and intelligently. And then you need to be able to show why it will not work and is indeed incompatible as an ideology or a framework as with a Christian worldview. You heard it again, as an ideology or a framework. I think, so part of that, critically engaging with it, I guess, would be using some of the insights, gleaning, what, here's, what can we glean from this? And then, and then if you're going to denounce it, denounce it as a worldview or a framework. We, we're just on the, um, we're, we're just in this middle ground here where it's like, take a side. But Danny Aiken wants to, he, he's trying to find this kind of middle ground approach, it sounds like to me. And, and that's what it's been for a while. It's, it's, you know, reject the worldview, but but bring in the tools. Uh, that's okay. Way of thinking. And so bottom line, uh, that's where we are. We are, we are at the Hegelian um, turn right now. Uh, and I think my faculty would tell you without any uh, dissent that they are in complete agreement with that approach. I do not know anyone on this faculty that would say, oh, I'm an advocate of critical race theory. I, in fact, I know for a fact we don't have one. Yeah, that would get you in trouble if you actually said that. Um, look at Matt Mullen's blogs. Tell me what you think. Not even a single one. And so when people uh, raise concerns, uh, what I would say is, well, um, 
If you have a concern about a particular professor, why don't you call him? I don't have a faculty member that will not be glad to engage someone about any question that they might have. Secondly, if that's not good enough, my email is d-a-k-i-n at s-e-b-t-s dot e-d-u. They can email me. They can make an appointment. By the way, my cell phone is 919-605-2973. They can call me because I... Did y'all get that? <laughs> you can send Danny Aiken, uh, text him uh, some of the montages and some of the different things. I mean, he's probably already seen them but or knows about them, but... It, it, <laughs> This, this is, you know, and it is gracious. I have to say, it is gracious to give your cell phone out like that. At the same time, though, this is, in the SBC, this is how everything is kind of handled. It's always talk to the person and then, you know, in this private conversation about what's publicly been said erroneously. And it's and it ends there. You don't go past there. And that, that's not a bad point to start with if you're confused. But if you're not confused, if you've heard error proclaimed publicly, it's not wrong to go and to refute it publicly. In fact, that's a service for people. And that's what Jesus and the apostles did. Hiding anything, and I'm not fearful of what this school believes and where it stands. When people say that we are drifting into liberalism, number one, they just don't know what we're actually doing here. And in many cases, number two, they don't really know what liberalism is. I stared liberalism in the face when I did my PhD at the University of Texas at Arlington. Yeah. So if you use the phrase liberalism, sometimes um, people think they, they go back to like the, the liberals and Machen uh, argued against this kind of this modernist liberalism. And you're not talking about the postmodern stuff we're dealing with today. And so um, so this is again, this, it's it's again, we're getting stuck on terms and stuff. And we're he never really went address the actual issues people have, the concepts Talk, talk to them about that instead of getting stuck on the terms. That's what, that's what I would have to say, I guess. Um, and uh, anyway, um, and I came let's see here how long in this 1992 goes. as the dean of students. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here, see if you're still talking about it. Well, let me start backwards. My hope and goal is that we'll be faithful till Jesus comes again. One thing, ultimately, all that matters in life is that you please. Okay, I'm pretty sure that that's kind of the end of his section there on that specific uh, topic. So yeah, we, we uh, found out about it together, talked about it. Uh, takeaways um, that I'm thinking as I'm looking at this. One is, I, I want to say something positive first. I'm, I'm glad that he's opening the door. And I want you to hear him say that. He's given his cell phone number out. He said, contact me, contact the professors. I know many who have. I've talked to him on the phone. Um, I didn't really get anywhere. And I think, and that's, what I've gotten from other people is they don't really actually get anywhere. There, there usually is some attempt to wine and dine kind of to, but it, 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 you never really, if you, if you really are sure that, Hey, this person said something erroneously and look, I'm concerned about it and it's public. And I, you know, I here, here's my refutation. You're not going to get many places. Um, it's going to be, you know, yeah, well, he didn't really mean that, or he's, you know, he's a good guy, or I don't like the way you said it, or, you know, it's style points. It's that kind of stuff. But he did give his information out. So the good part is, hey, you can call them. There is an open door there. And I would say, go for it. Walk through it. Um, if, if you think that'll, you know, do some good. Um, uh, second thing, though, um, I would say is that this is very dangerous. And he, there, he, he doesn't seem to be in touch with what's actually happening at his school, if he's being honest in this. Because critical race theory, aspects of it have been advocated, um, and certainly liberation theology has. 
Uh, third thing I would say is that he kind of gave away the position though. And, and that's why I kept pointing out, look where he said worldview and ideology. He only refutes critical race theory as a worldview and ideology says its conclusions are bad, but the insights from it are good. And the insights are all, all that matter in critical race theory, really. Those are the only things that matter. The insights where you can expand the, the definition of racism to accuse everyone and anyone uh, of it. You know, if you um, sing hymns, that could be racism, right? Because these are Anglo-Christian things. Uh, I mean, and, and Danny Aiken wouldn't apply it to that probably, but hey, he would apply it to, um, I don't know, maybe he'd apply it to someone who um, flies a uh, Confederate battle flag during Confederate Memorial Day or something in their yard to, to honor, you know, soldiers. And he would probably say something like, you know, that that's that's racist or that has racial undertones or whatever. And he has said these kinds of things. Well, how do you get to there? How, how do you how does that logic arrive there um, when someone's heart is that they're just trying to uh, honor uh, their ancestors who fought, uh, you know, and then qualities like bravery, sacrifice, honor, those kinds of things. Um, that's how you get there. You, you get there in like two or three steps, you know, it doesn't take long. Well, you know, you connect it to slavery, you connect slavery to racism, you connect and you connect it to that person. You connect everyone who was fighting under that flag must have thought this. Um, it, it's not, obviously I'm picking an, an, a, uh, something that's obvious to most people now that that has happened for, since 2015, especially, but it, it's working its way into all kinds of other areas. And when Danny Aiken in 2018 said that, well, you know, he was just kind of the he was blind to the way that these ethnic minorities thought of life and that he needs their perspective uh, even to interpret the Bible. You know, it's, it's, you get the best interpretation with the most, uh, you know, ethnic minorities present kind of thing. That's the kind of thing that shows you, no, he's, he's buying into it because he's buying into the, the, the observations, uh, which are the insights. And, and that's really, that's all they want you to buy into anyway, buy into their definition, and then you'll, it'll be more easy to accept their solutions. Um, how do Danny Aiken's solutions differ significantly in principle from the solutions of, let's say, secularists? Because secularists want to decenter whiteness. That's what critical race theory is about if there is a solution, right? It's to decenter the whiteness. So you have to, to locate it first. That's, those are the tools, the insights. So if you're going to decenter it, intersectionality is how you do it. Well, how's Danny Aiken... I mean, kingdom diversity, that's kind of what they're doing in a sense. That's part of it. Um, you know, diversifying your theological library. Uh, the, the, those are the kinds of things that, you know, anyway, I digress. Um, I was also thinking about, you know, Danny Aiken did a few statements against, he signed some statements, at least one I remember in 2017 against like Donald Trump and the alt-right. And um, it's, you know, th that there's racism in the Trump's cabinet because Steve Bannon was there. And even though he wasn't there at the time. And so, so there's... The, once you start going down this broad kind of definition of racism, it's just it's like fundamentalists who you, you, you back in like the 30s, um, the uh, what do they call it, the like six degrees of separation or whatever. I think that's something else. But the, <laughs> where they they didn't want to associate associationalism, some of them, they didn't want to associate with someone who was like with Billy Graham, because then, you know, you're marred because you were with Billy Graham and I can't associate with you. And that, that's kind of like what you're doing only on a grander scale and you can just make all kinds of things racist that aren't racist so all right i've uh, beaten the dead horse that's it um hopefully that was helpful for some people who are trying to understand southeastern danny aiken and now you have danny aiken's personal cell phone number so there you go
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.